You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shoja. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're discussing Parenting with Pets and a new book of the same title. That brings me to my rant of the week. Now, I preach the gospel of pet responsibility, proper training and socialization, and molding special pets into our feline and canine good citizens. Now, I'll confess, I do not have children other than the furry kind. And I know that the vast majority of parents are good, responsible people intent on doing the very best for their kids. But I'm appalled at all that can potentially go wrong, despite the best of parental intentions. We live in a world far removed from the kinship with animals and natures that our forefathers enjoyed. Does it matter? Are there benefits to be gained from raising our children closer to the natural world? What can our kids learn from living with and caring for pets? Could they even enjoy longer, healthier lives in the company of critters? (laughs) Well, we have two guests today, co-authors of the new book, Parenting with Pets, and I think they're going to give us some insights into this topic. Peg Hevel is a registered nurse who worked as a nurse health educator community family liaison and a family counselor in the Montana public school system. She's also a mother of four daughters, raised them all with the companionship of animals. Her co-author and daughter, Chris Hammer, is a certified canine behavior consultant who has worked with dogs and their families for more than 25 years. She's also the mother of two boys and raised them with companion animals as a part of the family. So, listeners, Gather all your kids, furry and otherwise, and we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E. Dash to dash P-I-C-K dot com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick. A-B-O-N-E dash T-O dash P-I-C-K dot com. Get 10% off with coupon code PetLife. Got a cool cat. Got a cool cat. Got a cool cat. Do you have a cool cat in the house? Well, of course I do. Got a camera? Then take a quick pic of your cool cat and enter the Pet Life Radio Cool Cat Contest. 
Pet Life Radio is partnering with Morris and Nine Lives to give you the chance to win a really cool cat care kit. Get a Nine Lives Play and Scratch Play Post, Nine Lives Wooly Cat Bed, Nine Lives Food Bowl, Morris Play Spinners, and much, much more. You'll also get an autographed copy of Pet Edutainer Arden Moore's new book, Happy Cat, Happy You. Everybody gets a chance to vote, and the top five coolest cats win an awesome, cool cat care kit from Pet Life Radio and Nine Lives. To enter, just go to the PetLifeRadio.com website or CoolCatContest.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm talking with the mother-daughter co-author team of Peg Havel and Chris Hammer about their book, Parenting with Pets. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Uh, I like to start out before we get into the nitty gritty uh, to have guests tell a little bit about themselves. What pets do you currently have? What uh, what animals do you share your lives with? Peg, why don't you go first? Okay, um, we have a black lab named Lady. Uh, Why we were raising our daughters on a ranch in Montana. Of course, there was a variety of animals. As a young girl, um, I think my first. Uh, memory was with an Irish setter named Sandy. He was my buddy and protector. And uh, if I um, started uh, towards the edge of our property, he promptly herded me back. Um, <laughs> there was a very busy uh, street along the front of our road, and so he wouldn't let me any get anywhere near the edge of that. Uh, after playtime, he helped me pick up my toys. He'd carry them over to a box and drop them uh, very carefully into it by our doorstep. Uh, awake or asleep, Sandy was always by my side. Wow. So now my dog, he would not uh, help me pick up toys. He would uh, <laughs> keep away with them. So, Chris, what kind of uh, companion animals are currently in your life? Well, currently we have uh, 10 chickens, a duck, <laughs> two horses, three dogs, and a variety of wild animals that come and visit because we live on about 10 acres. Well, that sounds a little bit like uh, the spread that I live here in North Texas. We have about 13 acres, and more, most recently we had a baby skunk show up that the cat wanted to adopt. It was <laughs> a, a little bit of a tricky situation there. Chris, I understand, of course, then you, you were brought up, um, Peg brought you up with the company of animals. How did you to get the idea to put together a book. Mm-hmm. You know, raising kids, and, and I was homeschooling, actually, at the time, both my boys, so it kind of made me think 
about how unique our situation was. And as I looked around and talked with other kids and their parents and realized that some of them had no idea the value that animals could bring to their lives, um, I talked with Mom. We were actually on vacation one time, and I said, you know, I think there's mm-hmm. this book that really needs to come out, and mm-hmm. it needs to explain to people how valuable animals are and how we've kind of distanced ourselves from nature, especially with video games and all of the other um, technology that we're experiencing now. And I said, you know, I think it's important that we explain to people how how valuable animals can be, especially with raising children. At the time that Christine and I started talking about this, I was a certified instructor with the equine therapeutic program in our community. And I visited with uh, people of all ages, and what the horse had meant in their life. And so that was fresh in my mind when Christine, uh, you know, mentioned this, as she said, on our vacation, and we kind of took it off from there. Well, I know that uh, when I was participating in the, the projects, uh, Chicken Soup for the Cat Lover Soul and the Dog Lover Soul, this was a huge topic. We we received so many more stories than than we could include about the benefits and the, the advantages mm-hmm. that people had sharing their lives with companion animals. And so I think it's it's almost a universal, you really, if you've experienced it, you get it. And if you have not, then I kind of feel sympathetic and sorry for the folks that haven't experienced this. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I think that the more that we can help our kids to experience this, the more that they become compassionate for all forms of life, whether it's domestic or not. Well, let's take one of the topics, one of your chapter headings, appealed to me. I think it's a great question to start out with. Why does raising kids with pets matter? Why does this matter? To me, Amy, um, I think, first of all, children don't come with a how-to manual. And for many parents, it's uh, parenting is an overwhelming job. And um, I guess I feel that uh, pets can offer teacher, teachable moments, for example, um, For children dealing with various emotions like frustration, anger, joy, uh, wherever they're at with that, parents have uh, this wonderful opportunity of uh, a uh, cohort, so to speak, uh, in the form of a pet. You know, animals also help parents in that they, they kind of, if you have a good animal in the house, it kind of helps calm the whole household down. They can, they can help parents almost by teaching by example because Pets, for the most part, are very patient with us. They're very patient to all the mistakes that we make. They have so, to be. They yeah. have to be. Or they couldn't live with us, could they? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's, you know, if parents are, perhaps if they're wise enough, they don't need this uh, information. But uh, I think a lot of times, you know, the pets can really help parents mm. to settle down and, and watch what the animal's teaching them. Well, I know that... Uh one of the first jobs that I had as a vet tech, the veterinarian, uh, it was a young couple. He and his wife ran the clinic and had young children, and they often used the animals in the clinic as examples, saying, well, no, you need to finish all your vegetables because, you know, see, you want to grow big and strong like like Sally the Labrador or uh, – you know, those types of things, or you need to clean, keep yourself nice and clean like, uh, like Mama Cat does because that's that way people would like to, to interact with you. You don't want to pet Mama Cat if she's nasty, do you? 
you know, so there were some interesting ways that you can, and, and I'm, as I said, I'm not a, a parent, but I can see some of those opportunities, the obvious ones, and I know there must be a lot more subtle things going on just day-to-day with your children. Well, I think, too, as parents, we have significant influence in shaping our children's behaviors through positive modeling because then you, you watch children in play and what are they doing? They're modeling their parents' behavior while interacting with that pet. So, you know, if our behaviors then toward people and pets around us is positive, then it's going to be, you know, a nurturing influence for the kind of social play that our children practice. I like also to talk to people about when I'm doing lectures or talking with folks about the socialization of pets and the early age and how you need to to expose the kittens and the puppies to positive uh, positive experiences so they they know how to deal with that later in life. Do you find that with children also? Is there is there such a thing as early age socialization for children to teach and to understand empathy for creatures other than themselves? Absolutely. Or even people other than themselves. If they don't grow up with people who speak a different language, maybe this might help them. Oh, absolutely. I, and, and I think that you hit an important point. Is I think as humans, and actually all animals, they tend to be fearful of things that, they're not, that they don't know. That's a natural mechanism, that fear response. So the more we socialize, whether it's a child or an animal at an early age, the more accepting they are of differences between different animals, different people. They've just experienced more. Well, and I think with cats, we there's the, the whole thing we talk about, copycat behavior. And if you have adults who accept animals and teach and, and treat them with respect, as you were saying, then I think we we tend more likely to raise children that also have respect for, for differences. For They're a little bit more flexible and maybe everything's not mm. quite so black and white. What about, uh, I know I hear this from a lot of folks who, who are talking about, I want to get a pet for my child to teach responsibility. And just how much can people expect from a child at different ages? How much can they... Uh, encourage the child to be responsible for because you know we don't want to have the possibility of the of the cat or the dog running out of food or not having enough water on a hot day or some of those things but how how much can we expect what are some good guidelines for parents well here again i think parents um, can assume the role of a coach through modeling how to care for a pet they demonstrate and guide verbally and of course the task should be age appropriate You know, I think providing for the needs of a pet helps a young person understand uh, that they are important and what they do has an impact on the well-being of another life. A promise kept to a pet translates, I am responsible. And I think this process also helps to build self-esteem in the child. Yeah, and I think you brought up an important point, Amy. I think ultimately parents need to realize that they are the ones who are responsible for that animal. Mm -hmm. So... um, I always coach families who are thinking about getting a pet. Well, let's let's have a realistic look here. How much time does everybody really have to spend with that pet? You know, and so that helps in the selection of what kind of pet to get. But ultimately, the parents are the bottom line. So, yes, it's up to them. Even though the child is, quote, unquote, responsible for filling the water dish or the food dish, it's the parent's responsibility to check on that or to ask the child, 
have you taking care of the chores, and then follow up occasionally looking in the food dish, spot checking that water dish, and if it's not up to standards, they need to come with the child and not criticize them, but show again how the proper way to do it and explain why it's so important. Sure, because, you know, if Fluffy doesn't have his meal, he gets a little cranky, just like if you don't have your nap or you don't have your snack, yes. All right, we're going to continue our discussion after a moment from these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September 28th, at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to LouisvillePetExpo.com. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and still speaking with Christine Hammer, a certified canine behavior consultant, and Margaret Hevel, a registered nurse, about the benefits children receive from interacting with pets as they grow up. Since I don't have children, 
and some of our listeners may not yet have children, but they're looking forward to it, perhaps. Can you share with us what are some of the high points of childhood development, how pets in the home may benefit or complement from these different life stages with the children? Well, first of all, I feel that pets in the home can open doors for teaching opportunities in the various areas such as communication, life cycles, responsibility, unconditional love and empathy, and um, these continue throughout the developmental stages of preschool, early elementary, adolescence, and young adult. Um, I think for some parents, um, one of the questions that I was often asked was uh, in the area of human sexuality, how Uh to work with this, Uh, (laughs) because... You know, for a lot of us, it's uncomfortable. It depends upon how were you raised. Um, You know, did your parents talk freely uh, about the differences between a boy, between a girl, you know, so on and so forth. So that I think uh, there again, pets offer a beautiful opportunity for those to where the uh, subject seems a little bit uncomfortable. They can say, oh, golly, look, Buffy has toes, just like you've got toes, and so on and so forth. Right, and I know growing up, we used to visit my uh, my mom's family had a farm, and so we would go and visit the farm, and the chickens laid eggs, and we knew what the eggs were for, and maybe sometimes mm-hmm. those eggs hatched, and we knew all about that, or, no, look, the pet mice that we have, suddenly this morning, there are more of them, there are babies, what happened, and you know, are they wrestling? Are they playing? What's going on? And so there's a lot of things that you can, conversation right. starters, in other words. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes because we experience it through animals, not necessarily through humans, um, that detachment helps parents to speak mm-hmm. about it in, in they a way relax. that they may not be able to. Right. It's maybe not as personal. It's not as embarrassing if it's, you right. know, the neighbor lady outside in her bikini as it might be with, you know, the hamsters. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, and I think, too, as children grow, they get different things from the pet. Um, for instance, at the beginning, it just may be boundaries and respect. Sometimes that mm-hmm. animal needs rest. We need to give him rest when he says. Mm-hmm. Learning subtle body language signals. Look, the cat's flicking its tail. That means we have to give it a time to rest now. You know, those kind of things when the child is young. As the child gets older, they've already assimilated that, and they have a deeper, they develop a deeper understanding of their pet um, and will often go to them for companionship when they can't talk to a parent. So as a child grows and develops, they they gain different things from their family companion. Chris, you uh, brought up a good uh, comment when you mentioned about the nonverbal communication because when a child as a youngster becomes aware of what these little signs and signals mean, it gives them uh, cues then into their classmates as they grow. And, you know, hopefully there again they're able to assess when somebody's getting angry, upset, and they're, again, able to interact with that person in a more positive way. Yeah, even though um, children don't twitch their tails when they're mad, um, <laughs> they have, the studies do prove that, that children who have been raised with animals and mm-hmm. um, are used to reading that nonverbal language are actually right. better at reading people nonverbal right. language as well. That's got to be hugely important later on in life, just in social interactions. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think they're much more intuitive. They trust their instincts that they've developed in dealing with animals. 
Well, and I think as a child, I know myself, I was, I was very sensitive and I would, I would get upset, but hardly ever would tell my parents about it. I was the type that would go back. Maybe it wasn't very healthy. I'd go to my room and cry and not talk to anybody, or I would tell the dog. I would mm. tell secrets to the dog, cry to the dog, and she always, always kept my secrets. It was wonderful. That, isn't that, isn't that uh, part of the value that we have? I mean, that's the value we place on our animals is we know they're mm. going to always listen. And they're never going to tell. And they don't care if you didn't brush your teeth this morning. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Well, what about the loss of a pet? I know um, I have in the past interviewed folks about the mourning process when you lose a pet, and children Mm -hmm. in particular. And and this, for a, a number of us, the death of a pet may be our first experience with losing a loved one. Well, I think there's no way of getting around the hard, cold uh, lines that death is painful. To avoid misunderstanding, uh, it's best to explain honestly as much as the child, you know, can understand. Because children learn if they can trust parents by the answers that they are given. In Parenting with Pets, we give a number of examples on ways to assist the child in the grieving process. Well, and I think also I've heard uh, some of the child psychologists say, Please use correct terminology. Be careful mm-hmm. to not say, mm-hmm. put the animal to sleep. Say, right. the right. animal has died. So that mm-hmm. there, there's not that scary notion, oh, if I go to sleep, am I not going to wake up if mommy and daddy right. go to sleep? So there are all of those different issues. What about choosing an appropriate pet for your kids? Is it just any pet going to do? Does it? I'm, I'm sure it matters since the adult is ultimately responsible. It has to be something that mom and dad are willing to care for and, and can relate to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, when I coach families, especially when the first beginning, unfortunately, I don't always get that luxury. It's more like we've got this animal and and sometimes it's a mismatch between what the family's lifestyle can actually handle. So when I get the opportunity of coaching, you know, I sit down with people and say, okay, how much time do you really have to devote to an animal? And I ask them to be realistic. Although they may want a dog or a cat, when they realistically look, look at their lifestyle, they realize they don't have the time that they need to devote to, to the training and to the nurturing of that animal. So in those instances, sometimes uh, a fish in, in an aquarium which requires less daily care or perhaps a hermit crab. Um, sometimes families move and having an animal with a long lifespan may not work as well as those that have a shorter natural lifespan. So those are all, you know, how much money do you have to, to devote to the animal? Um, because there is vet care expenses associated with with some of the larger animals that probably won't be associated with a hermit crab. And I know during these times of economic stress, I mean, that's a lesson you don't want to have to teach a a child that, well, we can't afford to take Fluffy the dog with us when we move somewhere. That's, I mean, you you want to teach that lesson, you adopt an animal and you care for that animal for life, if at all possible. There's always extenuating circumstances, but certainly you don't go into it saying, oh, well, we can always get rid of the dog or the cat if they become inconvenient. Exactly. And I think if you have this honest discussion with the children before you obtain the pet, you're actually teaching responsibility at its most basic level. You're saying we are responsible for another life. 
and because we are we're taking this responsibility seriously, we have to consider all these factors, not just what our emotions and our heart is saying to us. Well, we're we're getting close to running out of time, so before we do, what is the take-home message of your book, Parenting with Pets? Well, we provide tips and guidelines for raising children with pets, and it's sprinkled throughout our examples of modeling positive behaviors. I think the take-home message is it's extremely important, I believe, and I know my mom does as well, to have a natural influence in a child's life. And if the parents decide that a pet is not going to be part of their family, they can't do it for whatever reason, um, at least get the children out into nature. And we spend, in the last chapter of the book, uh, Parenting with Pets, we give tips on ways to involve a child in nature, even if you can't have a pet. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that children get away from technology. Not that technology isn't wonderful. Lord knows my kids have video games. (laughs) But they're also (laughs) extremely involved in what's going on in the world around them. They have a compassion for the animals, all animals, and a compassion for people. And I know that that part of that was because they've been raised in the middle of that natural environment. Mm-hmm. I think that especially as our world is shrinking, we need to become, we need to raise children who are more aware of everything around them, including nature. Well, and I think this is the, the new trend, too, the green trend. And animals, yeah. it's, it ain't easy being green sometimes, but I think <laughs> we've got to get a little bit back to nature. How can our listeners get copies of your books? Well, they can order through their independent bookstores. Um, of course, it's available through Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Independent bookstores, if it's if all possible. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Chris, do you also have a website that people might uh, like to, to check out? I do. It's called www.parentingwithpets.com, and I also have one that's called dogsensecentral.com. Great, and we will be sure to have those up on Pet Life Radio, Pet Peeves, the guest pages so that folks can learn more about you and your books as well. But we are out of time. I would like to thank Chris Hammer and Peg Havel and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can visit me at my website, shojai.com, as well. Woofs and purrs until next time. And now you know why you love your pets. So show them how much you care and check out Parenting with Pets because you don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.